from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, our good friend Al Bat. Hey, Al, I noticed the Robins are back. The Robins are back. I feel like making a proclamation because I was driving down my street and just saw flocks of them hoarding toward the crabapple trees. Ah, cool. Yeah, here they're uh, chowing down on our hawthorn, the berries of the hawthorn tree, the little... uh, Oh, they have real thorns on them, uh, gigantic thorns for small trees, and some of them are shrubs, but, uh, boy, the robins like those berries this time of year, as do cedar waxwings uh, during the year also will come in and just chow down on those. And and I tell everyone, someone asked me last night, um, I spoke at a uh, Cutner Seeds thing in Hutchinson, Minnesota last night, and one of the parties there said... What's they have to have three snowfalls after the robins get back? And I said, boy, all I know is what my mom told me. And she said, robins need three snows on their tail before it can truly be spring. And uh, I think a lot of the robins got back in time to get at least one or two already. So I have a question about the berries and the, the apples and things. Are those sort of fermented because, you know, they've been there, they've kind of frozen and thawed all winter long. They've been there a long time. So do they get a little fermentation? Because I think you've talked about drunk birds before. Yeah, I had a drunken robin oh. <laughs> fighting with my window one year, and he was, uh, first I thought he was just uh, angry because he saw his uh, image in there, which was true, but I could go out and pick him up. He was pretty much uh, snockered, and uh, <laughs> so yeah, you get a little more alcohol content in there, and he was just, uh, you know, I wanted to call the local chemical dependency center and uh, ask if they ever did robins. But uh, I didn't. Uh, yeah, it will happen on occasion, and uh, it. Uh, Is it a it, certain fruit or berry that that does it more than others? That I don't know. Oh. I imagine there probably are some that are more prone to having more alcohol in them than other ones, but I don't know. And uh, it also sweetens the berries up a little bit more. So because I see a lot of high bush cranberries, they are like a uh, a spinach fruit. So the birds will go around and eat all the ice cream fruit first. And then this time of year when they come back, when there's not so much fruit around, they will eat some of the high bush cranberry. Have you ever tried and, them and <laughs> see the effect on them for yourself? I, I have tried them. They are uh, high bush cranberries in when they're before they're frozen are just, oof, they're real. Okay. They're they're puckerish. And now they're they're edible. I don't know that I'd uh, go out of my way to eat a whole lot of them, <laughs> but a good friend just made uh, Gail and I some uh, cranberry, high bush cranberry jelly. Oh. And that, that, that's excellent. It's very good. But then all jelly is. Uh, just, I don't know what you could make it out of. I'm sure somebody knows something that they've had where it hasn't been good. But, man, every jelly I've had is good from jalapenos to apple. Old, uh, no matter what they make it of. That's because it has so much sugar. I mean, truly. It is, sure. <laughs> truly has yeah. a lot of sugar. <laughs> and then they mix other kinds of uh, fruit into so many of them, and it, it's just jelly. It's really good. I did a, uh, uh, taught some creative, some writing classes, and some of the kids, they still bring um peanut butter and jelly. I don't know what age that stops. Maybe never. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, people my age still bring peanut butter and jelly for for lunch. But I always ask them, I said, you don't get it so it's all in one jar, do you, where they mix it together? And they say, oh, no. And I said, that's good because that's wrong. You, You have to have half 
You take two pieces of bread, put butter on one, then you put jelly on one half and peanut butter on the other half and then slam it together. And then and only then is it a proper peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And it, and if you really want to be good, just throw the jelly out and just have the peanut butter by yes. itself and the, and the jelly by itself. That's They're both good. That They're better that way. I, I bunked up at Bagley, Minnesota, and uh, I was... Uh, working at a retreat center up there it's a really a neat place and it's called farm by the lake and i as i got up noticed something odd and what it was was there was no horizon Hmm. Uh, there were trees instead and i saw a black-billed magpie outside uh, just outside where i was bunking and the thing magpies are sort of like crows in the way they are um a corvid, so they're a cousin to the crows, but they supposedly hold funerals too. When a magpie discovers a dead magpie, it calls loudly to attract other magpies, and this gathering of noisy magpies may last 10 to 15 minutes before oh. the birds disperse. I thought you were, is that like their funeral? I guess, and uh, I checked with the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, and they had records of one where 40 magpies attended this um, funeral, and I put quotes around it. Uh, I don't know why they do it, and nobody really does. If they're just seeing, maybe they're just seeing poor old Bob off, or they're just wondering what happened to him. Maybe there's something out there they should fear, too, and be aware of, or... Maybe they're saying, uh, you know, I can move up one in the pecking order now that he's out of there. I, who knows what they're doing, but it, it's just um, it's, it's kind of cool in a creepy way. And the sight of that beautiful bird caused me to come home and listen to Rossini's The Thieving Magpie, which is a, a great music. I visited a friend's place near Bagley, <clears throat> and she has flying squirrels that visit the feeders each night, and I... It's really nice, and I, I love little flying squirrels. I know people will get them in their attics and things and probably don't love them so much. I saw a dark morph rough-legged hawk near Eagle Lake on my way home, and the, it has real dark plumage, and it's contrasted with the pale flight feathers. looks like it had two-tone underwings. So this lovely raptor appeared to be a throwback when the world was in black and white. And at home here, and I know a lot of people are reporting this, that they're seeing more bald eagles this year than I've ever seen before, uh, and they are too. It's a pretty cool thing to see all those. Uh, Molly Miller said she is seeing a crow carrying a stick. And, yeah, Molly, usually it's a male that does this first. He goes, picks up the stick, and he shows it to the female, and he says, you know what, we should start nesting. I I got the, this is a beginning nest kit right here. We need to, I got it from Ikea. We're going to put <laughs> this thing together, and uh, we'll, we'll start a family. Uh, Cindy Martin of Albert Lee said, Al, have you ever heard the sound of a fox? Uh, boy, I have a lot. Um, How do they, they sound? They sound like a decaffeinated chihuahua to me, maybe oh. a decaffeinated young <laughs> chihuahua. So they have that kind of bark only as a former chihuahua owner. I know that uh, chihuahuas sometimes that bark never ends. They just go yap, 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 where a fox is more of a, a single bark.
And I know our little Chihuahua would bark sometimes, just one bark, and he'd extend that bark out. And that's kind of how, uh, it, and I know every year hears things differently, but that's kind of how I think a fox sounds. I, I think it's really cool. I told Cindy it sounded like uh, sometimes, too, a cross between a deer, that kind of cough that a deer makes, and the bark of a dog, somewhere in between. Uh, Reverend Deborah Jean Collum of Chatfield, uh, she saw an osprey in Fillmore County on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Steve Hudek said there in Houston County at Wildlife Creek, or I'm sorry, Wildcat Creek Delta, a pair of sandhill cranes are initiating a nest, pulling vegetation out and arranging it. He said most attempts at this location in the recent past have been flooded out, so he hopes uh, hopes these make it. This uh, All there was on this was a phone number, but it was from March 6th. said, today, definitely three eastern bluebirds taking a bath, sent a photo along with it. Two adults and a young one, hope they make it. Why so early? You know, it's just... You're you're like me. I think everything comes early. I I don't. And then I I look it up, and it doesn't come early. It just seems like it's early every year. I, I don't know why that is or what there is about us that normally I see bluebirds the first two weeks of March, sometime in that first two weeks of March, and that's what it is so they're back uh, pretty much on time uh, some will come after that but uh, usually see the first ones the first two weeks of march now this weekend we saw a, a pair a male and a female cardinal in the backyard by the pond and i was wondering are they in the mating season now or you know the fact that i saw a male and a female and they were kind of just i don't know if they were visiting or what they were doing but they were hanging around each other in the back right by the pond so i was just curious what if that this is their time or if they're looking for territory or what's up it is and they will if they both survive the winter uh, typically they remain a pair although um, they don't spend a whole lot of time together over the winter but this time of year he's singing i hear the one outside uh, our house here he's singing up a storm now and he will fly in and grab a seed and offer it to her, and she'll pull it up from his bill, and it's just one of those really sweet things. So, yep, it's that time of year where he's uh, trying to trying to make up for being kind of a creep all, all winter <laughs> where he didn't pay much attention to her. So, so he's being really nice now, but it, it's really neat to, to hear. I watched yesterday of Cooper's hawk in my yard, and he swoops down and he gets down in the tangled vegetation not far from where the feeders are, and he waits in there in ambush, and he will fly out and try to grab a bird. And the blue jays, of course, find him in there, so they just have a collective cow, and they're out there just doing that J, J, J thing. And then the uh, nuthatches and chickadees fly in and help with the mobbing, so they're all making noise. And yesterday, the male cardinal, he just joined in there with all of them, too. So they had quite a crew after this hawk, and they finally just hectored him to the point where he, he flew away. And I'm sure he's still in the yard and still, um, I, I can tell where there, suddenly there's no birds whatsoever at the feeders, and then I know that hawk is around. Uh, Rita Granson, uh, Rita said she stopped at Clear Lake just in uh, Iowa off 35 there, um, by Clear Lake. Uh, 
She said there were thousands of geese sitting on the ice, predominantly Canada, but many greater white-fronted. She couldn't see any snowies, but a lot of coots, and there were no teal. There were at least 19 swans. She thought six of them were tundras, the rest were trumpeters, and at least 11 bald eagles. Uh, She said they were harassing the geese, hoping to find one that was either ill or injured. Bernie Sonic of Easton has uh, pileated woodpeckers, a couple of them in his yard. He said first time he's ever seen them in his yard, so he said it was pretty cool. Yeah, they are. They're the size of a crow. Beth Tiller visited uh, Frontenac State Park, and she said there were uh, eastern bluebirds. Uh, red-tailed hawk was in the woods, but uh, 12 American robins. And he said the bluebirds and the robins were very skittish. Rick Mammel of Albert Lee said, Hi, Al. Thanks, as always, for words of your artful fashioning. Wow. Uh, boy, thanks for making them that, Rick. Despite the hawks settling on trees of neighbors beside us, we have a pair of cardinals cruising around and flitting on some small cedar trees within inches of our largest windows. My boss and I have yet to be armed with a camera to get a picture of them as they torment us with their loveliness. So, the uh, Thanks, Rick. That's awfully nice of you. And Rick also, I, I post some photos on a, a blog or Twitter or something, and he was, uh, he said he'd just seen a photo I took of a cardinal. And yeah, even, you know, even uh, they, there's an old saying my dad always said, he said, even a, a blind hog finds an acorn once in a while. So that's kind of it with, with photos once in a while. You just get lucky. Jim Amundsen of Lake Crystal, he said, on Lake Crystal, there's redheads, lesser scop, golden eyes, gadwall, bufflehead, mallards, coot, a female common merganser, and ringbill gulls. So a lot of the, the spring waterfowl plus the gulls. Arlene Carr of Northfield um, uh, listens, and I appreciate that. She, um, I, I posted a photo of a uh, robin eating some of these berries from the hawthorn, and she said, Al, such a nice picture. I like the way you get them in a natural way, and they don't look posed. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to get them to look, to pose. Hard to make them pose, say, look at me. Yeah, you know, if anybody's taken their kid to a photographer, <laughs> I remember going there, you know, Mom would... Uh, You'd be driving there, and you'd have your tie on, and it'd be crooked already. And then you'd have a cowlick, and your mom would have to lick her fingers and put it on that cowlick to try to keep it down. Then they'd sit you down in front of the photographer, and he's trying to be your buddy, and you don't want to be there. And It, it just took forever for me because I was always looking off to the side trying to figure out what my mom was up to or who that was that came in the door. And uh, so, you know... <laughs> Birds are even harder than kids to pose. Uh, The Raptor Center uh, at the University of Minnesota is caring for five snowy owls right now, two females and three males, all of which were hatched last year. And two of them made their way to more southern destinations before being recovered. One was found in Nebraska and the other one in Texas, and both were transported to the Raptor Center last month so they could begin pre-release preparations. Uh, Snowy owls seem to have two major migratory flyways, one along the east coast and the other down the central U.S. And the 
Nebraska and Texas owls presumably took the central flyway. So biologically, it makes sense to release them in northern Minnesota. So all of these five owls are currently being conditioned for release sometime at the end of March at locations yet to be determined. So it's uh, we are uh, fortunate to have such a wonderful organization as the Raptor Center here in the state. One of the world's foremost experts on bird glass collisions, Dr. Daniel Clem Jr. will be visiting Minnesota to speak on the effects of bird mortality of glass in buildings, in particular in the Vikings uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Dr. Clem will address methods of successfully preventing collisions by retrofitting existing structures and using bird-safe panes in remodeling and new construction. And he will offer recommendations on retrofitting the stadium to make it safer for birds. Uh, Dr. Clem is a sarcosocopian professor of ornithology and conservation biology at Muhlenberg College in Pennsylvania. He has studied bird window collisions for more than 40 years, and his presentation will be at Springbrook Nature Center. That's in Fridley, Minnesota. That'll be on Wednesday, March 21st at 6.30 p.m. The event is free, but they will have a a little basket or something out there for any donation. And the presentation is sponsored by a coalition of bird conservation groups, including Audubon Chapter of Minneapolis, the Minnesota Citizens for the Protection of Migratory Birds, and the Friends of Robert's Bird Sanctuary. You, you know, it's interesting because that dis- that uh, discussion has been going on since while they were building that, and the Vikings had an opportunity. If they wanted, they could have you know, done that while they were building, probably would have been a lot less expensive, but they didn't want that at expense. So so I'm, I'm imagining, and I'm just guessing, I wonder if the taxpayers now are going to end up paying for that or some some donors that are going to you know give money for these multi-millionaires or billionaires whatever they are and um if we're going to pay for it that's what i'm just curious and and i'm just wondering do you know does it does it impact a lot of birds i mean is it that great in numbers or what are your thoughts yeah boy windows are a big one we always hear uh, down where where I live and where most of us live, we hear about wind turbines are in the news all the time about how many uh, mm-hmm. birds they are killing. But uh, And they certainly do kill some birds, but it seems that maybe birds, uh, some studies have shown now that birds get used to them as much as you can get used to things. But the amounts that they kill are uh, very, very small con- compared to windows and cats and other things, that loss of habitat, things like that, are much bigger killers. So, yeah, I guess they are. And, you know, I, I have coded numbers, uh, but there's there's such a wide variance between that. It's just sometimes you want to th- somebody just picked a number out of the air. And, and I know there's studying, studies being done on window kills, but they are uh, substantial killers of birds. We can say that, but it's uh, hard to put a numbers on it. And as far as some um, nice woman asked, she said, well, how many how many birds are dying by hitting the windows of my house? Well, it it just depends on where it's located, and there's so many other things that come into play. Um, the Nye Center, 
Oh, folks, if you've not been to, oh, and I hope a lot of you make it up to the Springbrook Nature Center. I spoke there the other day for a Saxembog fundraiser, and I, I love the Springbrook Nature Center. I remember going there and seeing a boreal owl many, many years ago, and just uh, fell in love with it. I don't know because of the Nature Center itself, or maybe because I got to see that owl there, but it's a wonderful place as is the Nye Center. And the Nye Center is even better for me because it's closer. I love the Nye Center. It's near Henderson. And they're having a spring fling fundraiser on April 14th. They're having maple syrup tours. So they're going to take folks out and you get to see how they make it. And uh, you get to taste a little bit of it. And that's March 17th and again on March 21st. They have teachers' workshops there that are offered with continuing education units. The International Owl Center will be bringing uh, some owls on March 22nd. They offer homeschool programs, family programs. Uh, the Nye Center is just uh, one of the best places on earth. If you'd be interested in any of these things, uh, some are free and some uh, do have a, a cost, but it's uh, Three five seven eight five eight zero three five seven eight five eight zero, or you can just go to Nye and Nye is N E Y NyeCenter dot org, and it's uh, it's just I've never had a bad moment there. I, I love going there. I uh, just uh, somebody just asked, how can I tell if the robins I see have migrated in or they have over- overwintered? The migrants are skittish. Uh, they're more flighty and noisy than the winter remainders. And again, my mother said that the returning robin needed snow on his tail three times before it was truly spring. So I, maybe some of them already got three. I don't know. I, I know they've got a, at least one good one on their tail, at least the ones that were in my yard. Uh, they got here just in time for that last... Uh, snow, sleet, ice, rain, hail, mist, uh, everything we got there. So I would think all those different things should count as uh, at least three snows on a tail, I would hope. And you heard from John from New Ulm. I did hear from John. John actually wanted to share something with us, and so I can share it with our listeners. He had another, he always has good questions for you because he's always, you know, wanted to keep you on your toes, I think. Um, and you might know this one. Who is the smartest pig? Who is the smartest pig? You know, I I always thought Porky was pretty smart, but he's <laughs> probably not the smart the smartest pig. I was just looking at uh, Porky, some of the the original drawings of Porky. Yes. Boy, did he uh, morph through the years. Uh, he just changed his look. Uh, I think he'd had work done. He just didn't look anything at all like he didn't look. Well, you mean, did he get slimmer? Did he get bigger? Or what what kind of... He got slimmer and uh, less pig-like, I I guess. More human-like characteristics, perhaps? Yeah, yep, I think so. I I don't know who was uh, Piglet, probably. Albert Einstein. Oh, Albert Einstein. Oh, gosh. And then there's a question about from our good friend John. He wants to know if you collect stamps. And, and I'm assuming because there's so many great stamps, they've had bird stamps, and, of course, I love the garden, the flower stamps, and, and so wondering if, if you're a stamp collector. 
you know, my brother Donald was, uh, and I am not, and uh, I buy a lot of stamps, but I use them all. I Me mail too. them to people, and I like the the nature ones. I like the birds and the the trees, and I notice on the postcard ones now there are a lot of shells, uh, seashells and things. So I, I love sending those. I, I love, uh, I, I send a lot of postcards. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that you can never thank people too much. So I try to send uh, a lot of thank you. Uh, I think that's probably my mom's doing too because she was good at sending thank you cards. Don't, for... don't you send out almost a postcard a day or, or isn't it? That... Oh, yeah. Yep. You do? Yep, at least. Wow. That's, that's amazing because not too many people send snail mail anymore but yet it's so wonderful to receive it i know whenever i get a letter i just love it because it's it's hand addressed and you think oh it's somebody i don't know it's just personal versus an email just doesn't seem quite as personal to me and and it's a little bit more of a person that goes in it just because of their handwriting it adds a little bit of a personality to it sometimes uh, and it's emoji free, you know. Any uh, any emotions there have to come from the tip of a pen, and uh, yeah, I'm with you. I just uh, letters are. I like emails and everything too, but uh, letters and cards. There's just something special about them, and when you get them, and again, I probably hearken back to my mom when she'd get them, then she'd read them to the whole family and. It was just a, a good thing getting those, and I enjoy getting them, and I enjoy sending them probably even more. So it's. I hope everyone will. It's another beautiful day out there, man. It's just uh, we are being blessed by uh, lovely weather that's uh, going to agree with just about everybody today. I think in one way or another. So I hope you all find time to make it over to the cafe uh, where the food chain is missing a few links. And the special is always the Heimlich Maneuver and gravy is considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less air in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any of it. As I waited the other day for my order of tater tot hot dish, the gateway hot dish, the world's most perfect food, I heard this conversation between the server and a diner. We have split pea soup and the soup of the day. Oh, what's the soup of the day? Split pea soup. Remember, folks, Heartland is while we're driving past. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. I enjoyed your company. Thanks. Uh, great to hear from everyone. Karen, thank you so very much for all you do. And thanks, everyone, for listening to KMSU. Hey, Al, great to chat with you, too. Until next week, happy bird watching. Bye-bye. All right.